Welcome to Anxiety and the Artist, the podcast that explores artists' relationship with anxiety, offering insight and inspiration. I'm your host, Allison Sheff, a writer, director, artistic liaison, and mom. I'm so grateful you're here. I'm so thrilled to welcome back Michael Cedar. Mike Cedar is a mindset and leadership coach focused on helping people who want to make a difference in their world. Some of Michael's clients include Epic Games Fortnite, World Economic Forum, Madison Square Garden, and Sesame Workshop. Prior to becoming a coach, Michael began his career as an actor before moving into company management on Broadway musical bus and truck tours. He was also on the producing team of StarQuest, a national touring dance competition. Today, Michael is the founder of The Legacy of You, a health and wellness company that creates coaching, content, and personal growth experiences. Michael is also the founder and host of The Gratitude Slam, a daily reminder to discipline yourself to focus on the positive side of life. Michael is also one of my oldest, dearest friends, and I am so thrilled and also one of our most listened to episodes. So I am so thrilled to have you back. That's so exciting. One of the most listened. Yes. That that actually excites me. (laughs) Yay! That means people so, people like me. People really, really they, like me. They do. Or they the content. Do. They like the content. And I'm okay <laughs> with that. I'm okay with that. So I invited you here today to chat about um, the leadership and management in the arts. Yeah. Um, I was listening to a podcast recently. It was actually Hillary Sutton's Hustle and Grace podcast. And uh, Seth Godin was a guest. Oh. And he said something so fascinating to me about um, management versus leadership. And it was like this light bulb went off for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to probably butcher what he said, but I'll try to, to recreate it. He said something to the effect of like, you know, managers make things work. They use power and authority to get people to do what needs to be done efficiently. And managers are, you know, very necessary in this world. Mm-hmm. Um, but leadership tends to be um, leaders invite others to come along and they say, you know, I'm going over there. Who wants to come? Um, and so I had this aha moment because I realized, you know, as a as an artist, um, we wear a lot of different hats all the time. And I realized that I had been bringing sort of my leadership hat, my leadership brain to all these management management positions I'd been hired for. And I was so frustrated when I was in a management position and I'm like trying to act as a leader in a management position. And... And I realized that that was sort of my, my, um, not downfall, but, um, where the frustration, where there was Mm -hmm. a sort of an incongruency, I guess. Um, and I was like, oh God, I got to talk to Mike about this because this is like, this is your jam. This is what you do. (laughs) So I would love for you to, to give me your thoughts on this and... Yeah, and, and especially in how it pertains to the arts, because you have such a, a background working in the arts, but you also have this huge um, leadership coaching business. Yeah, um, yeah. And 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 right. Oh, a leadership coach, right? You know what? What is that? You know, I've I've spent my life really obsessed watching uh, and researching and studying and, and and like what is leadership? What is this thing? Because I always know I like to. I there's two things I like. I do like to be in charge. I just do. You know, and um, and I do like to create things, and um, and so I've been obsessed with well, what, what you know, was it someone that creates things? Are they a leader? And you know, I've always I've explored this literally since eight years old. You know, my dad introduced me to some mindset, you know, some thought leaders uh, on audio cassette and then into CDs, and so I, I love this topic and I love talking to people about it. 
And so, first off, love Seth Godin. I, I love him. I met him a few times. And I understand what he's saying. And I want to take what you're saying that he's saying about, you know, the leadership versus management roles. And what I believe he's saying without reading or listening to that particular podcast is there are leadership roles and there are management roles. That is very different than what a leader is. Okay. And what mm-hmm. I mean by that is there's a lot of confusion, even when I go into the Fortune 500s of, well, I'm a leadership role, so therefore everyone must follow me. Or I'm in a leadership role, therefore I'm a leader. And for the purpose of this conversation, I'd love to find a different word than leadership role. And here's why. In the world that I'm going to live in, and look, we're talking about semantics here. We're talking about language. And I just want to get a common definition of language. To me, every single person on this planet, including your daughter, Eleanor, can (laughs) be a leader. Not everybody can be in a leadership role. Mm -hmm. So when we actually look at what leadership is, I want to break down that. When we look at what leadership is, the definition after all of the time I've spent talking about leadership, being coached about leadership, myself being coached about it, coaching leadership, myself coaching others, reading books, listening to podcasts. The one thing I just keep coming back to is a leader builds more leaders. That's what a leader does. A leader builds more leaders. And so if you enter your day saying, you know what, I want to help people do the best work in their life. If Eleanor, as she gets older, your daughter, starts going like, you know what, I want to make a home where my mom and my dad can be the best mom and dad. She's leading the two of you. Mm -hmm. If uh, someone in an authority role, parent or boss or anything like that, they truly are interested in getting the best work out of you because you're a person roaming the earth, that's leadership. And so leadership can, I can lead up, meaning I could lead my boss. I could lead sideways, which means I could lead my peers. And I can lead down, which means I can lead the people that report into me on a hierarchy chart in the workplace. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I really, I'm going to get totally Instagram badgy here for a minute. Like, <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I recognize I'm, what I'm about to say is super, super the dime, you know, the, the penny and dime store version of leadership. But managers get the work done, leaders get people to want to get the work done. Mm-hmm. And you can spot a leader. And I like using children. So I hope you're okay that I'm using Eleanor as a uh, quite all right. Because how old is she right now? She's 14 months. She's 14 months. So I'd even imagine, now I don't have children, but I'd even imagine at 14 months, but as she gets older, you'll start seeing it more. When she's with her other children her age, there's going to be a child that other children choose and want to follow the lead of. Mm -hmm. This happens in the animal kingdom in general, let alone human you know, the human species, but I mean, we are humans. Yeah, we are animals. But so 
you can spot who the leader is because the other children choose to follow the person. Now, if the other children are following the other person because they're saying, follow me, or I'm going to take your lunch money and punch you in the head. Well, that's not leadership. That's, that's, you know, that's bullying. That's bullying. Exactly. (laughs) Thank you. So that's why I wanted to lay out first, what leadership by itself is, is, is going to create an environment for where people want to follow you. They believe in what you're, they go, uh, a leader brings certainty in uncertain times. Again, this is the Instagram 10 cent tour of leadership, you Mm -hmm. know, but let's talk about what Seth Godin was talking about. I know a lot of, and I work with a lot of, because I'm in the coaching world. So I get to see, and I work with companies that have 10 people, 20 people, 2,000 people, 10,000 people, 20,000 people. And I've worked with some companies that have hundreds of thousands of employees, okay? Mm -hmm. And one thing is consistent. In all of these organizations, there's people in authority roles. There are CEOs that I've met that are awful leaders. There's managers I met that are awful leaders. There's uh, senior leadership that I've positions that I met that are not leaders. We see it in politics. We see people in high places of office that are not actually leading. So I want to demolish this idea that leadership is authority. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what? That's even not right. Because you know what, Allison, you as my friend, you have authority over me. And that doesn't mean, and that doesn't mean you have a title on a page that's higher than me, right? Mm-hmm. Because I trust you, I believe in you, and and there's things that you are an authority of over me. So a position of power does not mean you're a leader. Mm-hmm. Am I, does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> and we see it all the time, especially, oh, yeah. you know what? We see it in the arts so much. And, yep. I, and you know what? I... I love that I'm a leadership coach and I have experience in the arts because a lot of people say, because I'm the director, I'm a leader because I'm the producer, I'm a leader because, and then, and then we're like, no one, everyone's like, we're only following you because if we don't follow you, we don't get paid. Right. Or I don't get the, or I don't get the credit on my resume or whatever that I'm not leading. I'm not following you because I choose to even, you know, and I didn't know him. So, you know, so I, I'm only going from hearsay, right? Bob Fosse was a brilliant artist. He was a beautiful visionary. But from what I understand, he was an atrocious leader of people. People right. followed the vision. People followed the work. But they weren't following him. They let him fall into a pit, you know, right. at, at one point. So, again, don't know him, so I'm not trashing him. This is just what I hear, heard. So, allegedly, I think it was that's Jerome Robbins that fell into the pit. What's that? Was that not him? Oh, is that? Who did Jerome I say? Robbins. I yeah. meant to say Jerome Robbins. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. That's totally who I meant to be talking about. Thank you for the course correction on that. You're right. I'm wrong. A great example of just because I, I'm listening to you doesn't mean you're leading me, right? If you think of anyone in your life who you're like, that was a leader to me, whether they were in your life or they were like celebrity figures or political figures, whether it was Martin Luther King or, or it was some an artist that you really respect and people follow, right? I, you know? You follow them because you choose to follow them, mm-hmm. not because you have to follow them. So now I want to go to what you're talking about, and that's positions of, let's just say positions of authority for the simplicity of it, positions of authority on paper versus managers. Those are different roles. Now, even a manager can still you know, be in a position of authority in certain areas. Like There's a lot of people who are in positions of authority. They're like, well, I don't know how it gets done, but that person does. So let's look at it like this. People in authority are in those roles because they're entrusted to make decisions and craft paths and create processes and to create an environment that's in line with 
somebody else's vision or their own vision. Mm -hmm. And so let's call that for the purposes of our conversation, the visionary. So if somebody goes, let's put on a show, a producer goes, let's put on a show. I'll fundraise the money. Who does a producer hire? A producer hires a general manager. And the general manager goes, okay. Now, I know a lot of general managers, so I'm sort of watering down the job. So the general manager that they're listening there, I understand the depth of your role. But the producer says, here's my vision. Here's the bank account and the money. I want you to manifest the show. Again, I'm simplifying theater here. I recognize that, right? And now the manager doesn't get to go, well, here's my vision for the show. This is what I think it should be. The manager might say, here's, here's the path we think we should take. Here's how I think we should spend the money. Here's those kinds of things. So right. the general manager is taking the vision and saying, here's how I'm going to execute it. Now, who does the general manager hire? So I want to go even a step deeper than what Seth was talking about. The general manager hires the artist. So now we're looking at, or the technician, uh, for the purposes of, of this is artist and anxiety and the artist, we have three different hats, visionary, manager, and artist. And ar artist. Now, artist is the people that do the work. So if this was an accounting firm, the artist are the people doing the spreadsheets. Mm -hmm. They're still an artist. They're the artist of the numbers. Right. So the the head of the asset management firm, the visionary, says to the to the, uh, uh, the the senior leaders, "Here's the vision I want. Can you make that happen?" The managers go, "Yes, I'll make it happen." And they hire hire the artists to crunch the numbers, do the work, manage the portfolios, and that's and that's what it is. Mm -hmm. So if we just take change the words because words are symbols, and I want to make sure we're super again, we're just talking about semantics. So what Seth was saying is right. But for the purposes of the confusion between what's a leader and what's a manager, everyone can be a leader. An authority role is one thing. A manager is another thing. Mm -hmm. And then the manager hires an artist. Awesome. So we're all on the same page. <laughs> yeah. Linguistically, we're on the same page. Right. And what it sounds like you were wanting to be in a visionary role that's making decisions, crafting the environment saying, this is what I want to do, because that is your nature, right? You are absolutely, you, yeah. you are a net visionary by default, like since I've known you. Even back then, you really enjoyed and relished both leading people, creating places where people were heard and seen and do their best work, but you also liked crafting the environment, making decisions, casting vision. You liked that. So that was you wanted to be in a visionary role or in a role of authority. Right. And you also were leading, which is what I would hope any good organization hires is somebody in charge who also knows how to engage people, empower people, speak to people, see people like people. And the truth of the matter is we all know the stories in the arts where that doesn't exist. And right. so you were, tell me if I'm right or wrong, you were applying for manager roles, people that were executing a visionary roles. Mm -hmm. You got in those roles and you were probably scratching your head being like, what do you mean you don't want me to, yep. to create, <laughs> right? Because yep. you were hired to execute their vision. And that doesn't mean you can't have a vision for your department, for your people and things like that, but you've got to serve the, the, the law of the land, which is going right. to come from the visionary or what some people call the leader, right? But, right? but at the end of the day, whether you're a leader, a manager, or an artist, or you are an intern, which is really an artist, you all can lead. Everyone can lead. Right. But 
But, right. but one thing that we see it in the work, we see it in the arts all the time. People love being the director. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so that's, that's this. So does that clear, does that help define, you know, am I in the right ballpark of what you heard absolutely. Seth say? Absolutely in the right ballpark. To your point, like, you know, I was, I was hired as an assistant director. I was hired as an associate director and they'd be like, great, take notes for me. And I'm like, <laughs> take notes, like really that's all but i can do x y and z you know and they're like no just take notes <laughs> but 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 <laughs> yeah and like i didn't realize and also part of this this problem is that there's not a lot of i didn't have anybody that i could talk to about this yeah. like there's no definition like there's there's not a lot of of mentorship i feel out there for directors when i was transitioning from being an actor to a director um, and I had some some wonderful people that I could go to, but in general, there was nobody to sit me down and be like, "Look, this is what an assistant does, and this is what's expected of you." Yeah. Um, don't try and be the director because that's not what you've been hired for, you know. Yeah. And had I known that then, like, had I known then what I know now, I'd be like, "Oh." <laughs> And then I was like, I must be doing something wrong. They don't want my ideas. They don't want like, <laughs> no, that's not well, what I was hired for. Well, I want to, you know? I want to double click on that a little bit because you're right. Wouldn't it be nice? Wouldn't it be nice if there was a playbook for all these different roles? Right. There is no definition of any role anywhere, anytime. I know CEOs who are in privately held companies that are small and they can make the final decision. Then I know CEOs who are heads of major ESOPs, employee stock-owned companies, and they have to report to a board of directors. So even a CEO role does not have a set, a set definition. Mm -hmm. So this is what I like to say, especially for artists, because you know what's unfair in the arts? Well, you know what's unfair everywhere, but it happens a lot in the arts because there's not a budget in the arts for leadership and learning and development and leadership development like i don't I, there's very few places i've walked into who said oh let's do leadership and development like i even though i get the world i know the world there's they can't they can't afford me because it's not in the budget and my god can you imagine right. investors who saw a you know a very high ticket item on the on the budget for a leadership director now i know they would freak out they pull their money from the show or they'd say irresponsibility and they go crazy. But I know if all of the people on the uh, on the tour or in the show or in the management team had appropriate training, you'd have less attrition, you've had less staff turnover, you'd have higher uh, high morale rates and stuff like that. Now I'm not trying to convince producers to put learning uh, leadership development on the team, but the arts organizations I have gone into, they they've cut their attrition of staff and talent down by close to ninety percent every mm -hmm. single year. The yep. people are more invested in the bottom line of the company and are saving money everywhere. And so we've got all these case studies that are showing all this, but I'm not trying to, th that's not the point of me saying this. Here's why I'm saying this. In the arts, there is no roadmap for leading people. Nobody actually sits down and goes, hey, when you go into that role, why don't you say, hey, you just hired me as a AGM, an assistant general manager or something. Here's what my vision of it is. Is this what you'd like me to do? And have the general right. manager or the producer say, no, <laughs> no, that's yeah. my job. Stay off my turf. And you go, okay, I hear you. Because it you're totally right, Allison. It would be wonderful if there was a playbook. 
They said, this is the AGM role. This is the assistant director role. This is the blah, blah, blah. But you know what? I'm, I'm as, a, as, as a leader in different producer roles, I want my people to take charge. Not everyone wants that for either they're insecure that other someone's taking a job or they just want to be the person in charge and they want to call the shots. Fine, whatever. I'm not judging that either. So right. my my desire for the arts industry is that when we're before we're hired for a job, that it, the direction say, here's what I want from you. And then when you're hired to go, I want to make sure you do this and I've got this role. And if you ever overstep something, I'm going to tell you so fast in the nicest way because I never want you to be thrown off and I don't want you to feel like, you know, I'm not letting you do the job, but I want us, we've got to calibrate on what our relationship is. Right. Because even, and this is, this I really want to drive home. All relationships are based on the premise of trust. Yep. Read any leadership book in the world and they all will come back to one thing. How much do the people around you trust you and how much do you trust them? So even after you define the roles, as the trust grows, you're going to be entrusted to do things. And all of a sudden, like, wait, you didn't want me to do that before. Yeah, I know. But now we know each other. I trust you. We've had a lot of proximity. You can speak on my behalf. Go do it. And now the role is the same role, but there's a higher level of trust there's a nomenclature that both parties have the, the, the super, I'm going to call it a supervisor and the, and the subordinate for the sake of pieces of paper, you know, and, and that's my take is you'll never get the definition. You'll never get it anywhere. Anytime you speak to any general manager, the producer might go, what, one producer wants one thing from the GM company. Another producer might want another thing from the GM company. Right. But somebody, right. no matter what, has to be the visionary of the bigger picture. And then you've got to know if you're empowered or not to have, be the visionary of your role or your department or the people that report to you. Right. And I love being a leader and I love being in leadership roles. And I was always prematurely put into leadership roles that I wasn't ready for. I mean, I was right. company managing Thoroughly Modern Militor at the age of 24 years old. Nobody should put a 24-year-old in charge of <laughs> <laughs> something like that but but you know i'm grateful and I got you did it. a great job well, all I, things considered i did a great job i don't know if you ask people now that i look back at it i thought i was doing a great job and i look back and i go those union musicians must have been saying who is this kid in diapers man <laughs> like i look back and i'm like some of the decisions i made i'm like i'm surprised i wasn't thrown out of the bus while it was rolling and i hope some of you are listening to this right now and you go Oh, we finally figured it out. <laughs> we finally figured it out. And, and I would like to say right now as a leader, thank you for the opportunity. And I'm so sorry for thinking I knew what I was doing back then. <laughs> Humility, also, also a, a great uh, quality in a leader. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I, I'm not saying this to impress. I'm saying this to impress upon. I am so lucky that at this point in my career as a coach, I get to work with top of craft people who influence every one of our lives every day, whether it's financial, whether it's entertainment, whether it's uh, food industry services. Um, I get to work with the best of the best of the best. And two things. The first thing is they're all different these leaders, and some of them I should be learning from. They're so good. 
And, uh, but I do, I, you know, it's very nice that they trust me and I get to give them perspective. I really can't find a lot they all have in common. But there is one thing that I just keep coming back to. The people who are in leadership roles and leading at the same time, they are painfully self-aware. Hmm. They have high levels of what I want to call leadership maturity. They're aware of how they impact people, other people impact them, and most of all, they impact themselves. And so if anyone does want to be a true leader and in someone in a leadership role, just keep looking in the mirror, keep asking yourself questions. You don't have to have a coach. I, I, I obviously believe in them, but, but you just need to be, keep going. Am I doing my best? How can I serve my people more? How am I impacting my people? Where's my role to play in this? The second we start blaming other people and we're not going, where's my role in this? Then we're not leading. We're just in a leadership role. So I, I just want to emphasize the importance of if you truly want to be a leader and in a leadership role or one or the other, just keep working on recognizing where you are. And the second thing is, and I really mean this, I, I, can, I wish I could say I was joking because every time I tell this story, everyone laughs, but it's true. Again, I, I work with people who have a lot more zeros after their name than I have, right? So these are people who get flown around in private jets, who have major stock options, who could leave work tomorrow, and they're good for the rest of their life. Mm -hmm. I have, ne And whether it's a, someone at the very top up there or someone starting out that invests their money and hires me, no matter where they are, and no matter how influential they are on our culture and in our lives, Every single one of them say something like this to me at about session three through six, right? <laughs> they all say something like, hey, this is confidential, right? And I go, yeah. I mean, as long as you're not, you know, planning on embezzling from the company or killing someone, this is confidential. And they go, great. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. <laughs> oh, that's so reassuring. And, and it is, it, it, right? You did the same you know? as everyone else. And so I go, for anyone who thinks that they don't know what the hell they're doing, you're amongst fantastic company. And yeah. the reason none of them know what they're doing is because if they truly are wanting to be the best in their craft and they truly want to serve people, every time they come close to mastery, they're, they're, they're bad again. Right. They're screwing mm -hmm. up because it's new skills. It's new. Uh, Look, the, we all know this. I mean, we're recording this in 2023. It's a different world than it was six months ago, one year ago and well before in 2020. Right. And so the goalpost for us leaders keeps moving and we don't know what we're doing. And then the market changes and then AI right. comes along and then. Right. And then gender equality comes along. Right. Everything changes. And so nobody knows what they're doing. But the leaders bring certainty in uncertain times and go, hey, I don't know what comes next. But when you fall backwards, I'll be the first one to catch you. Right. Oh, can we talk a little bit about values? I love and leadership. About values, yeah. I know. <laughs> I know you do. I love talking about values. <laughs> values are my jam. Uh, you had said something to me a while back. I was, um, I had been offered a job and the pay was significantly less than what I 
am accustomed to making. Yeah. And I presented this to a friend and they were like, well, Allison, this is obviously like the best you can do. You need a job. You need, you need to take this job. And I'm like, but I'm worth so much more. <laughs> like, Why would I settle for something so little? And, and then I started thinking, well, is that what this friend thinks of me? Does this friend think that I'm not that valuable, that what I do isn't that, that I'm not that good at what I do, that I should take something so little? And I, I came to you with this and you said, no, you just have different values. Mm-hmm. And you value fulfillment over security, whereas yeah. this friend yeah, I was speaking right. to said, you know, values security over fulfillment. Right. And and that was another light bulb moment for me. Yeah. <laughs> And, you know, and this, you know what? Let's keep it in the in the sphere of leadership. You know, people don't leave jobs; they leave their manager. Right? That's mm-hmm. a, that's a big that's that's a big Instagram kind of quote. Now, of course, there's nuances to that. I recognize that, but what that really is saying is, people aren't leaving the job; they're leaving the values the manager has. Mm-hmm. If, like, my number one value is this idea of. I'm going to throw out a random word here. When I say random, it's not random, but freedom. Like when, when I'm in a job that is restricting me or says I have to work certain hours or I've, I mean, now I'm, now I can't say I have jobs. I have clients, right? Or clients mm-hmm. are like, you have to be available at this time and this time and this time. I don't care if Taylor Swift calls up and says, I'll pay you X amount of money. If, if you're on call for me, my answer is no, not because I don't respect Taylor Swift. It's because I value freedom. Right. And while other coaches might go, well, I value significance and I would love to be Taylor Swift's coach. And by the way, Taylor Swift did not offer me a coaching job, nor do I know Taylor Swift. (laughs) So I'm just using it as an example because she's the hot topic right now. Right. Right. And so, you know, but another coach might take it because they go, I value altruism and I want to be there for somebody at a beck and call. So it doesn't mean any of the three coaches, the one that uh, pre, uh, likes altruism, the one that likes uh, value significance, the one that values freedom, none of us are wrong. We're all right, in fact. But when we enter an environment that is conflicting with our values, we do what's what I call sweating through the bedsheets. And I call it yeah. sweating through the bedsheets because when we are in an environment that conflicts with our deepest values, it creates a massive cortisol rush in our bodies because we believe we're under attack, mm-hmm. right? Right. So I always say, whether or not you want to stay in a job, go date for values. You and Bosco, I don't need to know why your marriage is so great because it's great for the same reason my marriage with Lauren is so great. She just walked in the other room. So I'm definitely throwing that in there for a reason. <laughs> and it's because our values are the same. And Lauren and I don't yeah. like the same things. I don't not like Dateline. I don't like The Bachelorette. I don't like cookies, you know, though I do like cookies, but not as much as she does. But that doesn't mean <laughs> I don't get along with her. We get along so well. And the marriage is so, you know, hashtag couples goals is because we value the same things. Right. Am I right? The, the reason you and Bosco work is because you have the same set of values. Absolutely. The two of you can't yeah. be any different. Yeah. He wears hats, <laughs> you don't. You know? <laughs> yeah, you know, so I, whenever I think of Bosco, he has the best cat collection. That's what I always think of. <laughs> and he's a damn good musician and, and sound engineer. So, absolutely. So, <laughs> you know, you're asking about the values, and it's really something important. And, and by the way, we don't kick people out of our lives because something we value. I value freedom. If someone values security over freedom, that doesn't mean they don't belong in my life. Right. But if someone values 
subservience over freedom, they're not going to be in my life because they're in conflict with my non-negotiable. Some of our values are non-negotiable and all of our values are different. And that's okay because that's what makes the world work. I worked for a producer once, no joke, not saying any names, but I worked for a producer once who truly valued the seat. The seat? The seat, like being deceived. Oh, deceit. Okay. Like (laughs) to deceive somebody. Okay. Like I had a person working for me, uh, you know, because I was a middle manager. I'm not not even going to go deeper on what the title was. I was a middle manager in something and I caught somebody lying about something pretty big. I brought it to the producer's attention and the producer literally went, attaboy, attaboy. (gasps) And I was like, what are you talking? I mean, I literally would go to bed at night, sweating through the bed sheets. And I was like, how do I quit without him like throwing me out a window? And I was like, I had like a skin tag on my neck. It's like when you get a little growth of skin, I was like, I could tell him this is cancer. And I tell him I can't (laughs) work. Like it was, and I'm not, and I'm not, and I'm saying this not not to make light of cancer, but I literally no, because we've all done this. We've, we've all like like what catastrophe what? could happen to get me out of this, this position? Job line, the contract, the yes. Like I was trying to catastrophe. Like I was like, how do I get out of this? Because back then I didn't have enough of a spine to just say, "Hey, man, you and I don't align." Right. And so <laughs> I'm going to find you a replacement, but I'm out. Now I'd say that, but back when I was X Y Z years old, right. I didn't know how to say that. Yeah. But what was happening psychologically to me is my values and their values were in utter conflict with one another. And so in the arts. Well, and so I'm going to jump in here too and say, I think this is also important um, because I know one of the things that was really hard for me when I was a, a performer was I hated doing eight shows a week. Like it was the most boring thing to me like for for you for me for me and like I thought that something was wrong with me that I didn't like and I was trying to like change myself because you know this was the dream I wanted to work on Broadway like and I tried to change who I was to like to fit into something that like was so dead set against my core values and what was the value that was pushing us let's let's stop a second what did you say freedom freedom right so so and creativity. Like I doing the same right, thing right. over and over and over and over again, night after night, after night, after night is just like death to me. Like, you see it because Lion King's, <laughs> because Lion King's been on Broadway so long. You keep seeing like this person's been in the show for 30 years or whatever the number is. Right. And I sit there going, how'd they do that? Right. How have they, how they, like, how have they but, not lost their mind? That means they value certainty over variety. Yep. Or they yeah. value, and so there's nothing, and there's nothing wrong with look, that. But producers like, need people who value certainty. You know? Yeah, absolutely. You know, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. yeah, and so like you know, in theme with the with this podcast, like I just want people to know, like if you're change, if you're trying to change who you are to fit into some sort of mold of something you think you should be fitting into, then there's there's an incongruency there. So the one thing that I want, yes, yes, and you know, there's yes, and. But at the same time, as long as it's not a non-negotiable, right? you can say, as long as you know what you're doing, hey, I want to play with being a professional actor, but I know it's going to be eight shows a week. So I know that there's going to be a bit of an irritation, but I want the experience. So I'm going to take this six-month contract knowing I don't get a lot of freedom, but the experience I get out of it is going to be pretty grand. 
And right. I'm going to be frustrated some nights, but I'm going to know why I'm frustrated. And I also know this contract ends in six months. So yep. it's worth the experience. Yeah. Now, if somebody is overstepping your personal values, right, that is that is a big thing. But if you just know what's going on, then it's okay. But don't get angry at the job because you know exactly what you did and you know why you, you signed took up it for. and you know exactly. what you signed up for. And, exactly. and I see actors, when I was a company manager for the Broadway Bus and Truck Tours, I was like, why are y'all so angry? You got the dream job. You landed it. In fact, when people right. ask me, what do you do for a living? I say, you know how you, so a lot of people spend their entire lives going for a specific job, their dream job, and then they get it and they hate their lives? And they're like, yep. yeah, yeah. And I go, that's my audience. I work yeah. with them. That's who I work with. Because I help them yeah. identify, well, what's not congruent and how do you communicate it or do you get out of the job and you right. go find a job that's more fit because we as performers, as artists, we spend our entire lives going for something. And a lot of times we get there and we go, wait a second, being on Broadway, it's just another stage Yeah. at the end of the day. But if you value significance, being on right. Broadway is perfect. But if you right. value creativity, and I'm not taking away saying Broadway's not creative. It's totally creative. But if you value flexibility and creativity, you know, it might not be the place for you. You know, when I, I yeah. remember going on stage the first night and literally when I, when I started as a professional actor, within eight shows during tech, I went to the company manager and I said, what do you do? And he told me, <laughs> and I said, I want your job. And he said, well, you can't have my job. And we actually negotiated it with the producers that I became the assistant uh, company manager. Company manager. And yeah. that was the end of my acting career because the company manager job matched my values. While the right. acting job, I was like, I can't imagine doing 300 per more performances of this in this year. That's <laughs> right. going to be atrocious. And I'm not right. taking away from the job. I have, I literally, when I go see a Broadway show, I go, you're working your butt off, man. Eight, yeah. You do this eight times a week. You are a magician, Absolutely. man. You are a magician. Yeah. And, oh, and I don't in any way want to make this sound like the, either of us are just like are no. taking away from what performers do. Because I have a tremendous amount of respect for the people that can do that. But the people that do it night after night after night, it fills something of value yes. to them. Or, or they're not happy. And I'd love for them to hear this podcast and go, oh, my gosh. You know right. what? Because the job is the dream job. But. Right. It doesn't match my values. And then you choose one of two things. I stay or I transition out. Yeah. But then it's a absolutely. choice. And once you understand, yeah. again, what did I say? People who are leaders have high self-awareness. They recognize how others impact them, they impact others, and they impact themselves. And so if an actor is unhappy in a job, the first thing I want to go is stop blaming everyone and go, well, what is not matching your values? What's incongruent in your life? If it's the way the SM's treating you, or if it's just that it's eight shows a week or whatever, look into it. And then, then you have an ability to communicate around that. But until you have the words, I call it the gift of words, until you, in, until you have the gift of words, you don't know how to necessarily address the core issue at hand. But if we catch right. yourself blaming other people for your unhappiness, I promise you, look inside and go, what's incongruent? and then take responsibility for adjusting that. Easier said than done, Michael. I understand, but it's a good starting point. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, friend, you're always so so full of, of wisdom and insight, and I so appreciate it. <laughs> well, you know what? I will accept. I will accept. Thank you. And I will accept the word wisdom, and I'll tell you why. Because wisdom can only be experienced, and I've screwed up a lot. 
I've right? messed up a lot. I've overstepped <laughs> boundaries a lot. I've been told I'm dirt of the earth a lot. I've been told how dare you a lot. So I accept the wisdom comment because um, I've, I've not only read it in the book, but I've also gone through the trenches. I've lost jobs. I've lost money. I've lost respect. I've broken relationships. And hopefully I'm a little better today than I was <laughs> while making those poopings in the past. Yes. And on that note, thank you again for, for joining us today. I really appreciate it. It's always a delight to chat with you about all of these things. And if any of you are interested in learning more about what Michael does and where to find him, check him out on The Gratitude Slam on Facebook and at thelegacyofyou.com. Thanks again, friend. Thank you, Allie. Thanks for spending this time with us. We'd love to connect with you. You can find us on Instagram at Anxiety and the Artist. If you want insight and inspiration on dealing with anxiety delivered to your inbox, subscribe to our monthly emails at anxietyandtheartist.com. If you like the show, tell a friend about it. Love an episode? Share it in your Instagram stories. Also, leaving a quick review in the podcast app of your choice really helps us get the word out. Thank you to Bosco Chef, who composed our theme music and provides sound editing and engineering for each episode. And thanks to our marketing consultant, Ben Nissen. Until next time, I'm Allison Chef. Be healthy and stay creative. This podcast represents the opinions of Allison Chef and her guests. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. The content here is for informational purposes only. And because each person is so unique, please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions.